Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about online events, how you can handle your event, how you can create it, host it, uh, find the best speakers and anything else. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Jonathan Kazarian. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, for me, it's a big pleasure because, you know, I, I love learning about online events. I handle my events. I hosted it. I invited great speakers, Ren Fishkin, Craig Campbell, many others, you know, yeah. Uh, that was awesome event, uh, but of course, uh, I want to know more because, you know, it's popular. People uh, love learning from events. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about events. Yeah, so I've loved events for almost two decades now, and I, uh, I actually fell into the world of building an event tech business out of hosting, hosting events uh, on my own. My cousin at the age of, of 17 got diagnosed with cancer and I wanted to do something for her. So I ultimately decided to rent out the aquarium in Boston where I was living at the time, host a 850 person event and going into that event, realized that there was no, frankly, no good or affordable tech out there to, to do what we needed to do. So I went down the path of building an event technology business to, to serve my own, my own needs and, uh, and make life easier for event organizers and well, things have certainly escalated since there. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, let's start from uh, the basic. Can you tell uh, why companies need to create events? What kind of benefits, value they can get by uh, hosting events? Uh, yeah, anything about uh, the reason of uh, hosting events? Yeah, so there's a couple of, couple of different areas of that. You know, the first part is asking yourself, if you're thinking about events, where in the funnel do they fall? Is it the very top mm -hmm. where it's brand awareness? Is it in the middle of the funnel where it's lead gen? Is it bottom of the funnel where it's customer events, product launch events, other events to bring the community together? And then that's one side of things. The other part is you have to have this belief that the way that B2B businesses are winning today is based on the idea of basically being media companies, generating tons of content and creating an opportunity for a community to come together. And yes, there's online communities, there's Slack groups, et cetera. But the best type of community is the one where people want to come together. They want to interact and exchange ideas. And it doesn't really matter what that medium is. It's the fact that your brand is the mechanism to bring them together to do that. And events mm -hmm. are, yeah. are how you do that. Yeah, love it. Okay, let's talk about uh, finding speakers to events. Can you share your methods? How to find speakers who can provide value, uh, who can invite uh, attendees, you know, who want to learn from them, uh, your methods of personalization and uh, finding the right speakers? Yeah, definitely. So again, it goes back to why are you hosting this event? So one reason that you might be going searching for speakers is because there's a customer, a company that you want to sell. And the best way to actually open up the conversation with them is to add value, offer them something, offer them an opportunity to speak at your event and get access to your audience. Uh, but in terms of actually going out and finding speakers, look, LinkedIn, Twitter are great mechanisms for that. Figure out who the thought leaders are in the industry, but don't just look at what they're writing. You have to figure out, can these people actually speak? Can they command an audience? Are they engaging? Are they interesting? Find other video content that they've done, find podcast recordings that they've done and start your search there. Then in terms of getting a hold of them, I mean, there's plenty of different ways that you can go about doing that. 
But right now, every marketing person wants their executive team to be creating more content. And often it's really hard to ask that executive team to do it. Frankly, they just won't sometimes, but you can go to that marketing team and say, Hey, if you get this person to speak at the event, we're going to give you a month's worth of content that you can repurpose out of that. Let them sell mm -hmm. on your behalf. So it's not always about going directly to the speaker, go to their, their centers of influence within their company as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, can you tell about, for example, um, we have different speakers. Uh, someone uh, can charge a lot of money. You know, uh, yeah. I don't know, like uh, Gary Vee, Tony Robbins. Probably Tony Robbins can create own events, you know, to invite the stadium of attendees. Uh, Gary Vee, I know uh, he, he loves sharing uh, value, but he charges like millions, you know, to uh, speak on events. Uh, I know, for example, Neil Patel can charge like uh, 30 thousand dollars you know to speak on events but many speakers uh, can do it for free because of creating brand awareness uh, uh, to get customers can you tell how to find the balance between someone who can charge and someone who can do it for free just for the sake of creating brand awareness but they also can share some valuable insights yeah i mean the thing you gotta keep in mind is that often these people these big personalities that are out there speaking creating content they're saying the same thing over and over again And that content is, it's available through the public domain. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Twitter. So you're not necessarily getting original thought or original ideas. When you find somebody who's executing, they're really smart and they're not telling their story. They're not talking so much. That's when you can bring somebody in to really share something that isn't as easily accessible, isn't in front of that entire audience already. So don't undermine somebody's Uh, capacity to really engage your audience because they're not this big personality. You're not paying them a lot of money to be there. Find the person who's actually executing, doing the job and, and is able to tell that story and bring them into your fold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, what about topics? Uh, how to, uh, do you ask speakers, uh, to tell about their live topics or you can provide them? I need such topics. Please, uh, speak about that. Uh, tell more about, uh, finding the right topics. Yeah. I mean, it starts by finding about what, what does your audience want to hear about and then try to find the mm -hmm. speaker that knows something about that. Don't go to somebody because they've got a lot of LinkedIn followers or Twitter followers and say, Hey, can you come and speak about this topic that they don't actually know anything about? Your audience, if they already know that area, that topic, that domain, you're not adding value for them by doing that. The other part of it is that, you know, you speak at events, I speak at events. You never want to be on the receiving side of being told, hey, I need you to come up with this presentation on some, some topic. It's a big time suck. It's a big ask for you. And if your event is going to be commanding that much attention to justify that investment of time, it's often not even worth it from the speaker's perspective. They want to come and speak about something they know about, something they already have materials about and, and go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about, you know, for example, when I hosted my event, um, I invited awesome speakers, uh, but uh, three of them couldn't do it, couldn't join. Uh, so that was terrible because I didn't, uh, that was hard to replace them, you know, in the last moment. Uh, uh, can you tell your methods? For example, uh, if you invite speakers, but something happened, it's life, we don't know. Uh, how to handle the process? Uh, do you have some uh, replacement or uh, any other advice about that? So when you were running your event, did you just have a, a single track all day, a single stage, or did you have multiple concurrent content sessions going on? uh okay let's talk about single okay because I, i well 
let's do that. But I, you know, I bring it up because, uh, for example, I was speaking in Van. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was I was on the the second stage, not the main stage, and uh, I ended up getting promoted to the main stage. Maybe I was mm-hmm. filling a gap of somebody who wasn't supposed to be there. Maybe the content made sense for that session, but like those situations do occur. And when you have that, uh, you know, sort of that like that farm team, that dugout that you can pull from, then it's easy to fill that gap. The other thing that you can do that you should do is have a moderator who's able to fill that content, that gap. And uh-huh. you know, in your case, it's often going to be you and just having that material prepared in case you do need to fill that. Uh, also could be some sort of entertainer that you bring in to, to fill those gaps. Nobody wants to be your backup speaker. People have, you know, the, the, the people that you actually want speaking, they're busy. They have things to do. They're not going to sit around because you say, hey, if this person doesn't show up, I need somebody else who's going to fill in. But what you can do is start to think about not just this event, but what's your next event? Who are the speakers that you're bringing in for your next event? And then you can tap one of those people that you've already got on your deck, on your lineup for that next event and bring them in early. And you've already got that relationship. They're already thinking about the content that they're going to be preparing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting, valuable. Uh, okay, let's talk about mistakes. You know, uh, for example, when I hosted my event, I, I made a bunch of mistakes because that's my first experience. Uh, and uh, can you tell uh, your top mistakes uh, that you got uh, and uh, what you've learned from them, how to improve the quality of uh, hosting events? Yeah. So the biggest mistake I see with people hosting events is they, they fail to have a call to action. Mm-hmm. So they'll host an event, but they don't know why they're hosting an event. They don't know what they're trying to get out of that experience. And we just talked about queuing up your next event, but the easiest thing to do if you don't have a call to action is get people to register for your next event. Do it when they're all gone mm-hmm. and ho. Do it when they have the energy behind it. Offer them a discount. Let them be your advocates for that next experience. I was at an event uh, a couple of weeks ago and the event organizers sold $100,000 worth of tickets in the, for their next event within the first four hours of the first day nice. because they offered a discount. They were transparent about that and people were already hyped up. It works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Okay, uh, let's talk about promotion. Uh, you mentioned that someone uh, who can uh, sell tickets to you to the events. Can you tell your methods how to promote events? Uh, the reason why I'm asking about that because I get a bunch of uh, spam messages. Please uh, attend this event. You know, it's awesome, but they don't care about me. They are not. Uh, they don't know what kind of value I'm looking for. Tell about personalization and how do you find the right audience for your events? Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways to get in front of your right audience. You already brought up the idea of using your speakers. When it comes to trying to get your speakers to drive attendance for you, you have to mm-hmm. offer them sort of some sort of incentive. So maybe that incentive is going to be, hey, if you have, you know, if you drive 50 registrants to this event, we're going to give 10 people on your on your team free access to the event. Or we're gonna we're gonna pay for you to travel to our in-person event coming up in six months. So give them some incentive to do so. Another option would be, hey, we're gonna run a paid media campaign promoting your speaking engagement as a keynote speaker at our event if you drive this amount of traffic. So you're adding additional value for them. Uh, but that's that's through the mechanism of using speakers. Another channel are your partners. So if you're a company that has integration partners, distribution partners, implementation partners. Bring them in. Don't make them pay to be present. Don't make them pay to be an exhibitor at your event. In exchange, ask them to drive attendance. 
give them a tracking link where you can actually see if they're doing exactly that. Are they driving attendance? Promote them even further at the next event based on how much how much they drive. It's the same shared audience, right? So you want to find partners who have that that opportunity for co-marketing because you share an audience, but you're not competing. You're complementing one another. The other option mm-hmm. is uh, is just finding different groups in channels that are specific to your industry or niche and starting to get inroads in there. Don't drop into those groups and start promoting an event right off the bat. You're probably going to get kicked right out, but start to build trust within those communities and it's going to make it much easier to ask. The other thing is don't go into hosting events for the first time thinking that you have to hit some threshold and it's a failure if you don't. This is a building Mm -hmm. experience, a learning opportunity and an opportunity to continue to build trust as a influential source of content and ideas and that you're worth somebody's time. And as you do that, you're going to get better speakers. You're going to get greater attendance. You're going to get more sponsorship opportunities, event after event. It builds upon itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about sponsorship. Uh, I love this topic because uh, I yeah. have some sponsorships as well to my podcast, HRFs, Rankin. Uh, okay, let's talk about sponsorship. Uh, how to find the right sponsorship and uh, how to ask them about the right money? Yeah, so in terms of finding sponsors, find competing events and look at who's sponsoring those events, right? Mm-hmm. They generally or often won't have a loyalty to just sponsor that event. If they can find an opportunity to access a similar audience, especially at a lower price point because it's a newer, less established event, they're going to take you up on that. Yeah, it's harder when you don't have any stats off the bat, but as the event date approaches and you start to have more registrants, you start to have more uh, more information that, that, that you can use to, to convey and to, and to sell those sponsorships. Uh, beyond just searching other events, it's continuing to look at who exactly would be a target sponsor. Who's somebody who, if they sponsor this event, are going to get access to an audience that's going to be beneficial to them. You want to invest just like any business, right? You want to find customers that are going to be loyal customers because you don't want to go out having to drive up your CAC trying to... to trying to access new sponsors every time. You want people that are going to come back and the people that are going to come back are the ones that get the most value out of their sponsorship of your event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I love it. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, learning. Uh, for example, uh, when you invite the audience, uh, how to learn uh, engagement, right? Because, you know, uh, we need to get experience to handle much better events, to improve, to develop what you have. Uh, can you tell about uh, retaining audience? Because, for example, um, uh, if you check out other formats of content, like uh, people usually read 5% of books. They usually watch like a few percent of uh, videos, uh, read articles, just the intro and, uh, yeah, and bounce. Can you tell your experience, how to retain the audience and how to learn uh, about that to improve experience in the future. Yeah. So 20 years ago, when you were watching television, you had to watch whatever was on, right? And today, I don't have cable. I haven't had cable for a decade. You pick what you want to watch, right? So we should be treating events the same way. We shouldn't be looking at an event and measuring its success based on if somebody stuck around all day. Our goal is not to ensure that every single thing is interesting to every person. That's impossible. Our goal is to ensure that something that we're delivering is so interesting to somebody that they're going to be there and they're going to retain that information and they're going to engage and they're going to talk about what they learned there. So instead of focusing on a vanity metric, which is 
just purely duration of how long somebody stuck around. Focus on finding content that's going to be niche and specific and useful and original to your target audience. In terms of engaging them throughout that, yeah. In the world of virtual events, it really comes down to content. Content, presentation, uh, quality, presentation, style, and finding opportunities to keep people engaged throughout it. Yes, that means using technology to do things like push notifications, polling, Q&A, things where the audience is participating in the conversation, but also give them opportunities to interact with each other. So we talked before about where in the funnel your event falls. If we're talking about a bottom of the funnel event, one of the best things that you can do is put your customers, your advocates in front of your prospects. Let them do the selling on your behalf and do it in an environment where they can raise their hand and they can ask questions directly of that customer. Make it interactive in nature and allow people to learn from each other because it's not just about you and it's not just about what you're putting out there. It's about the opportunity that you're creating for people to learn from each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, valuable. Uh, you mentioned a few times about uh, the funnel, uh, bottom, top. Can you tell how to consider the sales funnel? Uh, when you plan, for example, uh, you are going to uh, host an event and uh, how to consider a sales funnel before uh, creating an event? Yeah. So there's been so much talk about events from the perspective of a lead gen tool. If you are entering events, entering hosting events for your company for the first time, start on the other end. De-risk your event experience. Start with a customer event where it's a smaller audience. It's a shorter duration event. And you're bringing people together to learn from each other. Figure out what actually goes into running and hosting an event. Who are the vendors that you need to bring in? And then expand your experience and progressively move it up the funnel. And as you do so, you're going to learn a lot along the way. Does that answer mm -hmm. the question? Mm, yeah, yeah. But what about, for example... Um... You no, know, I found uh, on LinkedIn, uh, it doesn't matter, any social media, yeah. many content creators pay a lot of attention to oversell. You know, uh, they don't care to share value. You mentioned about sharing value uh, because, for example, speakers can share about uh, some topics that are not interested uh, to the sales funnel because uh, the audience is quite different. It doesn't mean it's not valuable. It's probably valuable, but it doesn't... Uh, you know, like related to interest of the audience. And uh, how do you unite speakers, uh, their topics and uh, interest audience, you know, uh, considering sales funnel? Yeah. So when it comes to, to hosting an event, you shouldn't be selling. Mm -hmm. If you're going to, if you're going to have a scenario where people are selling, have your customers sell for you. Your, mm -hmm. your content, what you're putting out there should be educational and inspirational in nature and entertaining mm -hmm. for yeah. that matter. Uh, in terms of your actual speakers and aligning what they're sharing to make sure that it's consistent with the message that your event is, is seeking to convey, it's, it's about the speaker prep. You need to see the decks in advance. You need to see the outlines of what they're going to be covering. And sometimes, yeah, a speaker doesn't work out. Sometimes what they want to talk about is too silly. You have to pull them. Because you're going to mm -hmm. lose the trust of your audience. If you have an event that's just out there peddling sales material, it doesn't, it doesn't help. It doesn't help the attendees. It doesn't help build trust. And you're going to, you're going to, you're not going to bring them back. You're not going to bring your sponsors back. So you have to be hyper diligent about this. One of the things that we've seen, particularly in the world of virtual events, is that a lot of companies have moved away from the traditional mechanisms of sponsoring expo booths 
and moved into sponsored speaker engagements. And some of the event organizers have been, frankly, a little too lenient in what they're allowing those sponsored speaking engagements to convey. And it, it again, it leads to a, a dismantling of the quality of the content that's being put out there because it just becomes these sales pitches. Yeah, yeah, valuable. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, hosting an event. Uh, how yeah. many people do you need to uh, host your event? For example, uh, when uh, I hosted my event, um, I did everything myself. You know, I didn't have a big team. Uh, uh, then during the process, I got it no way. I can't uh, do everything. Of course, uh, I use some people who can help me, you know, to personalize the message to uh, to market the event because we got like uh, 44,000 attendees, you know, that was uh, an online event. I got uh, awesome speakers, but I could, couldn't do it myself. Uh, tell about your team uh, uh, and the process. For example, you how many people you have in your team who and uh, who, uh, about their duties? Yeah, so... Uh, you know, just for context, again, we're an event technology provider, right? So we're providing mm -hmm. the technology that folks like you would use to facilitate running those events for uh -huh. managing their speakers, for managing the agenda, marketing the event, all that good stuff. A lot of the companies that we work with, they don't attempt to do everything in-house. They're going to bring in a event marketing agency to help them with promoting the event. They'll bring in a production company that's going to run the broadcasting. And that production company is going to meet with the speakers, make sure that and this is in the world of virtual events, make sure that they've done their tech checks, that their background is you know, set up in a good way, that they're not crinking water bottles or have a dog barking under their desk while they're presenting. So you can, you can take some of that stuff off of your plate and bring in resources that are experts on actually getting that event executed for you. In terms of what you need in-house to facilitate that, um, we talked about, about identifying and finding speakers. Look, you know the audience of your event. Often it's going to be up to you to figure out what is the content that you want to share and using your network to find those speakers. There's certainly agencies out there that can help you with finding speakers and they're excellent, but you, you ultimately need to know what is the programming? What is the content that we want to be conveying? What's the underlying message of this event so that you, you have that to go out there and, and search and find those folks. Uh, there isn't a hard set number of people that you need in order to run this experience. Obviously an in-person event, is going to command a lot more people to pull it off than a virtual event is. A virtual event, <laughs> if you know, if you're starting with a thousand person event, you can pull it off with a couple of folks. You can mm -hmm. do it with your existing demand gen team. Maybe you bring in an agency. Maybe your tech provider has resources to help facilitate that. We certainly do when it comes to actually day of running those events. So you can pull it off and you can get started. Just don't, don't think about running a 40,000 person event for your first experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you mentioned about uh, getting attendees like with organic reach, you know, when you ask speakers, when you uh, share on social media groups. But what about paid marketing? Uh, I often uh, see on uh, Facebook, on LinkedIn, uh, some, uh, you know, events that are coming, you know, uh, in, in my feed. Can you tell, is it a good idea to use paid marketing to invite attendees to events? Yeah. So it's not just about inviting attendees to events that you should be using paid marketing for, right? The end goal of an event is not always just to get somebody to register or to get somebody to attend. You're also hosting that event when we're talking about top and middle of funnel events. 
to establish yourself, your company as a thought leader in the industry, a thought leader who's able to, to bring in these incredible speakers to share their story and their insights. So this is, this is another opportunity from a paid marketing perspective for you to go out there and share information and share information in a way where you're not getting ad fatigue because you're introducing new content into your ad sets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned a few times about trust. Uh, can you tell how to improve the trust feeling? Because, you know, uh, I, I often see when uh, content creators ignore ignore trust. Uh, uh, but, you know, I think it's important. Without trust, uh, you can't sell anything. Uh, customers don't buy if they don't trust brands. And they, uh, in most cases, they ignore uh, unfamiliar products. Can you tell about provoking the trust feeling? Uh, for example, give me a reason to trust your event that I need to attend because I have... Um, you know, I'm so busy with many other things to do. Uh, so uh, how to provoke the trust feeling that it's important for me to go to a specific event? Yeah, so uh, the, the the two things I would say are, are probably the most important are uh, consistency, consistency of message, mm -hmm. right? If you keep pumping like nine different narratives for one event, then you're probably going to confuse your audience and thus they're not really going to trust like what is this event about? Uh, the other thing is is vulnerability, right? The best way to build trust is to be honest and vulnerable with your audience. Tell them, mm -hmm. you know, if, if this is an event where somebody is telling the story of the way that they failed, that in itself is going to build trust. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. when you're opening up yourself and, 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 and being honest about what didn't work out for you or what could have been done better. Um, that vulnerability goes a long way. Nice. Yeah, love it. I think failing only brings a new experience and nothing else, you know, because right. for me, it's hard to count how many times I made mistakes, a lot of. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and it makes so, it relatable, right? Other people, yeah. everybody's failed at some point. If they can relate to your failure, then you've, you've you know, you've, you've, you've built fandom, you've built a attendee for life because you had a shared experience, even if it wasn't together. Mm -hmm. What about... Uh sharing stories, storytelling style, it's important to uh, use in events. Yeah. So, so when it comes to the actual event, you want to have a mix of programming, right? Like a, a purely academic style event is really easy to drift off from that. So you want to have some content that's educational, some content that's data-driven, some content that's entertaining in nature, some content that's storytelling driven. So you want to mix those different mechanisms. And when you're starting to identify your, your speaking audience, you're going to realize that some of these speakers have different styles. So you want to switch up that programming. So you have different types of experiences one after another, so that you're keeping your attendees on their toes and that they're getting these different formats of content and that everybody's always getting hit with something that they resonate with, with best. Um, for me personally, I think that storytelling, those mechanisms, they just, I retain that better. So that's the type of content that I prefer. Mm -hmm. Especially stories mm -hmm. that have data trickled into them. Yeah, yeah, love it. Uh, yeah, I, I think you know personalization is is very important today. You know, at any type of marketing, because uh, uh, people are smarter than ever. You know, because of this technology, because of this competition, and uh, my spam inbox uh, loves get uh, getting these uh, templates. Uh, you know, spam messages every single day, a hundred of them. So yeah, I think. 
can you tell about personalization? For example, how to invite audience considering their preferences, uh, their interests, and tell them it's very important, it will help you, it will simplify your life, decide your problems, lead in the right direction. Yeah, about personalization. Yeah, definitely. So when you're actually going in marketing this event, you're starting to think about segmenting your attendee base. And as you start to think about segmenting that attendee base, just like you would with building personas for your business, for the product you sell, you want to do the same thing and, and treat your event like a product, a product that has different personas with different messages that are going to resonate. And then you've got your speakers, your content that's going to resonate with each of those different personas. So create, create marketing campaigns, paid media, email campaigns, et cetera, influencer marketing campaigns, even that are using those stories to attract each of those different segments. And then you can take it a step further. And now we start to get a little bit of the, the you know, the data infrastructure and the, and the marketing ops side of things. But once people start to visit your event page, your event, your event software, your event management platform should be able to track which sessions are people viewing, which ones are they bookmarking, which ones are they registering for, and then use that personalized information to actually run your follow-up campaigns, right? So half the battle is getting people to register. The other half of the battle is getting them to actually show up during your event. So if you can remind them of the awesome content that they bookmarked, that they registered for, that they're excited about, you're going to have a higher turnout on the day of your event when it comes to actually getting them there. And it doesn't end there either because the other part of the picture is that you get people, they might log in in the morning, check out one or two sessions, they have a meeting, they forget to come back, but hey, you've got this great keynote at the end of the day. They showed a lot of interest in that. They shared the link with three friends. They bookmarked that. Run another campaign, a follow-up campaign that's promoting that keynote and have all of these built out in advance. So when it comes to the day of, they're either going out at a scheduled time or you're clicking a button and the campaigns are ready to go. And this effort, you can reuse it for every subsequent event you 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 run, right? You build these campaigns, you're just swapping some imagery and some copy for each of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, valuable. Okay, let's talk about uh, what um, hosters shouldn't do today because it's obsolete, it doesn't work. From your experience, uh, what is better to avoid? What What's better to avoid uh, in terms of hosting events, marketing events? Yeah. Yeah, uh, marketing and hosting. It's better marketing, of course. Um, when it comes to marketing events, things to avoid. Uh, events haven't changed that drastically in the way that you're actually going about marketing the event. So mm -hmm. from that perspective, there isn't something that's particularly new that I would say just completely stare, stare away from this. Uh, we talked about paid media a little bit. I think paid media has gotten a lot more expensive. I think we're seeing that influencer marketing, especially in the B2B space, is really ticking up as a channel. And I would definitely encourage people to uh, to leverage that channel, to invite influencers in exchange for them to promote your content. Uh, one thing that I would say to avoid would be poor design. Mm -hmm. you, you have to stand out from the crowd. If your event is, uh, you know, if you're not investing in the design, you're not investing in good content, you're not creating personalized messaging, it's often almost not even worth hosting it because your brand is on the line with every experience that you put forward. And you want to ensure that you're delivering something that again is consistent so that you can maintain the trust of your audience. So mm -hmm. I guess the, the major thing I would say to avoid would be just, if you're going to do it, actually do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mentioned a few times this word, 
consistency you know like trust you know i, I love the word yeah. trust i love the word consistency can you tell how to use this word by uh, hosting or creating an event because you know for example i'm cons uh, consistent in social media i'm consistent uh, to create my content because i know it's important to improve quality even if it's not good today i know that it will be much better tomorrow because of my consistency can you tell about uh, consistency in creating or hosting events yeah so we talked about one aspect of it already which is don't send out nine different messages for the same event, right? If you're hosting yeah. an event, be consistent with what the messaging is for that event. If you're hosting an event, be consistent with sharing the fact that this event is coming up, right? People may, people don't want to register for an event, make a time commitment, block off their schedule if they think that this thing isn't really real. So you need to constantly remind them of that. And then when it comes to building your programming, just like you're building your audience on social media, you build and own an audience in the world of events as well and a community around that, which is almost a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that it builds upon itself event after event after event. If you just do one and done, it's like going to a yoga class, right? It doesn't, it doesn't get yeah. you anywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about, uh, okay, let's imagine you have no experience uh, hosting events, marketing them. Uh, you started from scratch. What would you do today to learn more about that, uh, to create your own events? Uh, follow me on LinkedIn. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, look, there's no shortage of resources out there to figure out where to get started. Uh, you can start by attending other events, right? Start to write down the things that are working and the things that you didn't like from those other events. Ask people that are at those events, be it in person or virtually, what did you like about this event? What didn't you like about the event? What type of content mm -hmm. is working? What type yeah. of content isn't? Look for the engagement states from all of that, stats from all of that. So there's a lot of things that you can see and experience yourself before you even start to go and build those experiences. And then again, start small. Yeah, love it, love it. Yeah, uh, it's the right attitude to everybody. You no, know, it doesn't matter what kind of content you create, uh, social media, events. Yeah, it's the right, right. attitude. Like, I'm trying to get started on TikTok right now. I just followed a bunch of accounts that are, are in our industry just to learn from them. I haven't posted anything yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I have the final question. Uh, can you forecast the future of events? Because I mean, many things are coming like metaverse, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, web free zero. What do you think about events? What kind of future will be? And it's a good idea, for example, to consider events because uh, new reality can change everything. Yeah, look, I'm I'm all for metaverse. Uh, I'm excited for that, but at the same time, I've got an Oculus sitting in my closet and it's been in the box for two years. We're not there yet. We'll get there eventually, and I'm excited for when we do. But in the meantime, with everything that's happening with digital marketing, with the reduction in third-party cookie tracking, that's putting a bigger emphasis on zero-party and first-party data puts a bigger emphasis on personalized messaging, like you talked about several times. And when you think about the mechanisms for capturing first party data, events are number one. Events mm -hmm. are number one for capturing that information and for building your community and your audience. And for those reasons, like we've seen over the past couple of years, we're going to see a continued rise in the use of events as a mechanism for, for brands to own their audience. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. John, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. 
Yeah, definitely. So you can you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. It's Jay Kazarian. Twitter, it's John Kazarian. Uh, would love to connect with anybody and, and certainly share some ideas and share some tips on how you can start running events yourself. You can also head over to our website, excelevents.com, A-C-C-E-L events.com. The chat in the bottom right is staffed by real people 24-7. If we don't respond to you within 30 seconds, then find me on LinkedIn and let me know about it. <laughs> nice love it love it okay guys you can find all these links in the description below listen to us on apple google spotify thanks again for your time you know a big pleasure you share a lot of value guys you need to follow john you need to learn from him you need to attend his events because you can see a lot of valuable insights okay guys love you see you thanks for listening to this entire podcast Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.